0: Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for
2: what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
1: Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Each Monday after NFL playoff action, we're going to be talking about the moments that got fans heart rates racing, their heart rate elevated. It is brought to you by Bayer. Did you know that your heart attack risk can more than double when your home team plays? crazy. Learn more and assess your heart risk factors at CheckYourHeartRisks.com, brought to you by Bayer Aspirin, the official sponsor of Fans Hearts. So guys, with four divisional round games this weekend, plenty to choose from. What got your heart racing this weekend?
0: Yeah, we have a lot of great options here. There was a lot of great football, but I think there really is only truly one answer to this. And the answer came in the form of a shirtless member of this year's class of people's sexiest man alive. Uh, He is also known during his day job as the starting center for the Philadelphia Eagles. The all pro Jason Kelsey was in the box with Taylor Swift and the rest of the Kelsey family on the road in Buffalo, and Jason, that beauty, shirtless, out the window, chugging Labatt blue lights, belching at the entire crowd. Dad, this was a sight to behold, but my favorite part about everything that went on with Jason Kelsey, who was out with Bill's Mafia before the game, he did the bowling ball shot with them, he's chugging beers and shirtless, is his wife Kylie, you can see in the background, completely unfazed by all of this. This is a slow Tuesday in the Kelsey household for her.
2: I was going to say, this isn't out of the ordinary for him. This is, I mean, this is the norm, right? And that's why his wife isn't shocked at all uh, about it. Uh, This is who I, and uh, listen, we all think he's done and going to retire. So with that comes kind of a relief as well, right? A sadness for the years he's played, he's going to go into the Hall of Fame. But, but kind of a release, and he just kind of let it all go, hanging out with both fan bases out there in the with Bills Mafia, and then up in the suite uh, with Taylor Swift and all the Kansas City Chiefs fans. By the way, the bowling ball shot—any issue with that on your broadcast last night? Uh, my partner on Golik and Jess Matana, said she would never do a shot out of a bowling ball because, let's be honest, no one's bringing a bowling ball specific for the shots. It's somebody's bowling ball that has been used. So fingers have been in the bowling ball, and now you're pouring booze in. See, I think that's...
0: Yeah. You don't think Bill's Mafia would have their own, oh, like, this is my shooting bowling ball. I just bring this one to the tailgates for us to get drunk out of, and then I got my actual bowling bowling ball over here. It seems like for a lot of reasons you would want to keep those separate.
1: Also, no, it did, I mean, don't I mean think but that. doesn't alcohol kill germs? Come on. like. Mm, Listen, see?
2: it's it's not going to affect me one bit. Uh, I drink it drink out of a lot worse, so but I think Pick it's water. somebody's bowling ball, I do. I think they're on a Thursday night bowling ball league and then they bring that ball to the to the game and, and drink out of it. Uh, here's my thing, they probably give it a rinse coming. Like I'd imagine sure. they've you got.
1: You think?
0: Get a little really? Purell yeah. in there, a little Purell. No shot, no chance
2: they in, give it a you rinse. You put it
1: in the dishwasher with the rest of the stuff that's gonna make its way to the tailgate? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, I feel like alcohol kills germs. That's what I'm telling myself. And I would agree. At that point, it's kind of like, I feel like if you're also at a tailgate taking a shot out of a bowling ball, it's not like that's your first drink of the day. So that's exactly right. You know, at that point, you're probably just like, whatever. Maybe if it was like, I just showed up and that's the first thing you want me to do, I might have some mental reservations. I would still do it, but I might have some mental reservations. But at that point, you know, when you're taking the shots out of the bowling ball, you don't really care where the alcohol is coming from.
2: Absolutely agree. Now, the biggest question for me, because the whole Taylor Swift-Travis Kelsey romance blossomed during the season, and Jason Kelsey was obviously busy playing on the Eagles during the season. Do we know if they actually met before yesterday? And if not, this was the first encounter that Taylor Swift had with with her future brother-in-law shirtless, slamming his, his naked body up against the suite, screaming his lungs out with his wife completely un... I mean, just the scene of that. To to look at this guy do that, if you have never really seen him do it before, go, oh, my God, and then look over at his wife expecting this shocked look and just seeing a look like, yeah, okay, just another day going, what the hell are we doing? Who are these people? We can, do we think she has met him already?
1: We can only pray. We can only... Yeah. Hope that this was the first time they met. Yes. Because that would be so poetic. <laughs> yes. As Taylor Swift herself has said, it's going to be forever or it's going to go down in flames. So, you know, <laughs> that feels poignant to this situation.
0: In, in any relationship, you want to lead with honesty. Do I believe they've met before this? Probably. But in terms of lore around this relationship, I am now saying it is canon that this was their first meeting. And I can imagine the conversation between Kylie, Kelsey, Jason's wife, and Jason on the way over. It's like, all right, Jason, and listen Travis really likes her she's obviously a global pop phenomenon and one of the most famous people on earth maybe we can keep the shirt on tonight babe what do we think about that and then Jason's you know doing the good husband thing he's nodding he's agreeing with her and then all of a sudden that first Labatt blue light hits his lips and then he sees his brother score one of his two touchdowns in a playoff game and you're right dad he's probably snapped into fan mode now postseason and you could see he was both drunk with beer and with power because he didn't yeah. just go up against the glass he climbed <clears throat> down into the crowd before there with the confidence of only a man who knows I am the baddest dude in this stadium and no one's acted they were booing him everybody had something for him but nobody was getting within a certain range it was like when you see a lion surrounded by a bunch of hyenas they're only gonna come but so close and Jason knew that and so once all that took over then it's like well Taylor was gonna learn eventually if she didn't already and so it might as well be at the Bills game
2: (laughs) And and quite honestly, I I think him with the shirt off was the tame way. I mean, anybody looking at his wife Kylie and saying, oh, my God, what's he doing? And she'd she'd be like, well, he he kept his pants on. So, you know, it's, (laughs) it's a positive, right?
0: that is that's that's a win given the situation so jason kelsey absolutely our heart racing moment of the weekend people you should be ashamed of yourself magazine for not just making him outright the sexiest man alive look at what you could have had and instead you opted for some normal skinny i don't even remember who it was that's the point either because we all knew jason kelsey was the actual answer to this question uh the other question that i want to ask you dad as it pertains to some of the heart racing moments we saw over Over the weekend was how we're going to judge the quarterback performances from this weekend because I've already seen in the morning talk show rounds it's going to be kind of split decisions about how people deal with Josh Allen coming off that game because they lost and on the other side for Brock Purdy it's going to continue the most toxic conversation in the world surrounding his play because he didn't play very well but they won and that's the only thing that people of a certain you know ilk value when it comes to their quarterback play. So how do you look at what we saw this weekend? Maybe from those two guys in particular as the case study because Mahomes did his usual thing well Lamar Jackson's going to be the MVP did his usual thing the young players there at certain junctures you looked like young guys and Stroud and Jordan Love but with Purdy and with Josh specifically I think it's an interesting dichotomy based on how their games went
2: here's how I look at both of them Josh Allen the expectation is the game is on his shoulders Brock Purdy the expectation is the game is not on his shoulders the, the Brock Purdy is to be that great point guard. Now, he makes some nice passes. Not in this one. He didn't really overall. He was off a bit, but he had that nice last drive. His job is to get it to Brandon Ayuk, to Debo Samuel, to George Kittle, to hand the ball off or throw it to Christian McCaffrey. Spread that ball out. Josh Allen is meant to do it all. Is meant to make the passes, hit the receivers, or tuck that ball down and run. They're calling runs for him, or he's scrambling on his own. So I think going into it, it's like, hey, Brock, you don't have to win us the game. There are we have a ton of talent that you know that that uh, uh, they have put together uh, that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have, have put together for you where while they're they're obviously putting talent around Josh Allen, it's still, hey, Josh, the end of the day, you got to win us the game. The end of the day, it's going to come down to what you do to help us win the game. So I think that's the biggest difference between the two, and and you keep tinkering with it. It's tinkered with enough in San Francisco. They have the talent, but – To me, it's like, okay, what do you do next in Buffalo now? What's next? You got Diggs a few years ago. That relationship was good. Now it doesn't seem as much. You got Cook, who was running well at the end of the year. You're trying to build that defense more, but then you had some injuries. So what's the next iteration of the Buffalo Bills? We know what San Francisco is going to be, right? Even if they lose this game, we pretty much know what they're going to be. But what is it going to be for Buffalo because they have to get over that Kansas City hump?
0: They do. And Josh is expected to be the one that do it. I I think dad, and uh, this just sort of popped into my head. It's, the levels of expectation based on ability, right? And and this is not to demean Brock Purdy, and and so much of the conversation around around him kind of puts you into a corner where it sounds like you're trying to slight a dude who's so impressive. Like What he's done, the fact that he managed to have as a young player, and as a guy that was drafted where he was, to have that game where he was bad, he looked bothered by the weather, he looked bothered by the pressure, and then to come out on that final drive and have some legitimately impressive throws, like that's awesome, and we're absolutely going to celebrate that and write too, while also acknowledging that when you compare him to quarterbacks like Josh, it's like comparing Hawkeye to the Hulk and the Avengers. They're all superheroes, but we know they're not built the same. Josh Allen is a world ender. He's one of the guys that comes from a different planet. And so, yeah, we're going to expect him to shoulder a different version of the load based on that, based on the paycheck that he draws, like all this stuff. When people bring up Brock Purdy's salary, like, yeah he's not paid like the guy that's expected to go out there and win them the game at every turn. And so I do think that perspective around what these guys are asked to do within the body of the team matters.
2: Uh, Completely agree. That's why I talk about that play, uh, that throw to the end zone, even though Chris Jones pushed the, the offensive lineman back to him, that Josh Allen is still, the thought of Josh Allen, still expected to make that play because he's this big, strong quarterback that could stand flat-footed and fire a ball, that he would get it there, and, and he didn't. So that's one of the things you say is, oh, okay, great play by Chris Jones. I agree, you know, and a great bull rush there. But Josh Allen, we've seen him do miraculous things, and I think the expectation was he would get it there as well because the receiver was open in the end zone.
0: Yeah. And, and I think with Josh, too, now there's also the backdrop of what's going on with this team since he's been at the helm. All the playoff stats that we mentioned about him constantly finding a ceiling in the other AFC elite where it's been either the Chiefs ending a season or the one other team was the Joe Burrow led Cincinnati Bengals. So one of the other quarterbacks that people hold in that regard and it's twofold because he deserves a lot of credit for even getting them there down the stretch of the season. But it's also a lot of people. And I saw, I think Bamani Jones tweeting about this, about how other quarterbacks are treated, specifically quarterbacks that don't look like Josh. When in the past, we've seen Lamar Jackson fall short in the postseason or other high quality players who haven't won in this time of year, who seem like they are always held to us that standard that it now seems like Josh is going to run into because no matter what the bills look like going forward, dad, he's going to be the one that it's there they're going to have to change the way they build because of him the same way that Kansas City's had to do with Pat and so he's going to continue to have that expected of him and now I do wonder if because I don't think you can downgrade him at all Josh Allen is still one of the three best quarterbacks in the NFL based on what we saw this season
2: he is but the frustration level has to be there because one thing we've seen out of Josh Allen that hurts the team is while you rely on him he makes it at times has that turnover especially in the red zone right and we've seen them lose for those reasons at times. Now, no turnovers yesterday. He's 17-0 and when he doesn't turn the ball over going into this game. Didn't turn the ball over, and they lost. So, again, it's going to be, my God, he did, he did what he normally does when we win, and we still lost. So that, that's got to be damning for that team to say, when, when he's usually at his best, we're going to pull out a win, and they couldn't do it. And, oh, by the way, to the same team that's been knocking them out in kansas city
0: it is going to be interesting too if there's ever like what happens with sean mcdermott from here on out with that team because it's kind of like the conversation we had with mike mccarthy in dallas is you've won so many games and you've lost in three straight divisional rounds but you're also there every year and are you just running into a force of nature? Like are the Chiefs just one of those teams that like the Golden State Warriors in the NBA or when LeBron James was in the East and he had all those one seed Raptors teams that just could not get over a hump that's the size of a mountain that's named LeBron James. Like Patrick Mahomes now through the early portion of his career is absolutely on that track where if he keeps this up, dad, Very easy conversation between him and Tom Brady for the greatest of all time. And Patrick's already infinitely more talented than Tom ever was, can do things that Brady could have never dreamed of, and now is on the track at the right age to where accomplishment-wise, there's a very real opportunity for him to match all of that. And so how much shame is that in losing to that every year? Is there really for Buffalo, if you're honest with yourself, despite having a guy who ability-wise is on par with that?
2: Well, I mean, you look at the Jim Kelly years and the other great quarterbacks in that era and Jim Kelly they and they would lose in the Super Bowls. Again, get there but lose. And even before even LeBron, I'd say more Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan never lost in the finals. So, you were a great team or a great player matched up in the Jordan era, you were screwed because Jordan was just better than everybody else and his team was better than everybody else and they kept winning. Over and over again. So, was it if there was another team that was really good? It's like you lost your opportunity because of the Jordan era, you know, and that's what we're seeing right now with the Kansas City Chiefs. And that era is other good teams when they have their chances are coming up short, and it's like okay, how much do we have to keep tinkering and rebuilding to get over this hump when we consistently have a pretty good team? We just can't get there because of this other team. You know, A lot of it's bad timing, but still it doesn't stop you from trying to build. And that's what's going to be interesting to me for Buffalo is what do you try next? What's next? How do? What do you tinker with next to try and get over this hump?
0: Yeah, I, I certainly think – you know Stefan Diggs and what his future looks like there we know that there was all the rumored unrest from his side you had his brother's tweets from during the season you had the reported yep. weird friction before the year that Josh Allen had to come out and actually address heading into training camp with that team what are they going to do at number two we talked about Khalil Shakir and what he was doing for that team but no Gabe Davis in that game who usually has been a guy that can be a huge swing state for them if he's right. on but dad I think a lot of the change has to come defensively they have been old and beat up down the the spine of that defense that used to be such the strength for Sean McDermott, who took back over play calling this year after Leslie Frazier decided to take a season off because people felt like there had maybe been a power struggle there. There's going to be a lot of changes that I think come up with that group and a lot of free agents. I saw Adam Schefter tweeting about it last night. Uh, But I guess if we're having this conversation about quarterbacks, it is interesting, I think, to bring up Jared Goff as sort of the middle ground, right? Because what we saw from him yesterday, Pretty damn good game. And a guy that feels more Brock Purdy-esque in what his team asks him to do and has fit into that situation, but through two stops now, has been a guy that's been able to win playoff games with multiple teams. He's got the distinction of having been a former number one overall pick. And so maybe there was rightly more expected of him, especially early on. And we found out, or at least all felt publicly, like there was a ceiling that we ran into when you had him with the uh, Sean McVay-led Rams. And now with Detroit, it's still... A pretty specific offense. Like Jared Goff is a cheat code when it comes to play action shots deep across the middle. He can basically throw through time when it comes to that particular area. And then some of the other stuff, having to get away from pressure, the extracurriculars that I think we associate with the best quarterbacks in the league, right? Part of it's an aesthetic. It's, hey, can you buy time and bail your guys out? Can you make some of those throws like you can? Like we wouldn't expect Jared Goff to make that Josh Allen throw that we're talking about this morning. If that were Brock Purdy or if that were Jared Goff in that particular spot, where you've got Deion Dawkins being deposited in their lap, you wouldn't be sitting here saying right now, yeah, you're supposed to make that throw still if it's Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, not if you're Jared Goff or Brock Purdy.
2: Yeah, I- I'm with you. But I, th- I think one other thing that helps Goff is kind of what they did for Purdy in San Francisco, even though you know, the thought was Purdy wasn't going to be the guy as quickly as he was, but what was built around him. Same thing with Goff. Look at how that offense has evolved to, as I'll say again, like just dispersing the ball and weapons, right? You have the two-headed monster. You have, you know, Jameer Gibbs and you have Montgomery who not only run the ball but both catch it out of the backfield. Uh, you have St. Brown who's been phenomenal at wide receiver. Sam Laporte has been one of the big surprises this year of coming in as a second-round pick, uh, tight end, and doing what he has done, setting all kind of records. And then you have the mixture of a Josh Reynolds, a Jamison Williams who are stepping up as well. So, it gives golf more options. It's kind of like what Stafford got, you know, with Puka Nakua and, and Tutu Atwell, right? All of a sudden, there's more out there than Cooper Cup, who was dealing with a hamstring. You know, it's like, okay, where else are we going with the ball? You had Higby at tight end, but then you get these two young receivers, especially Puka, doing what he's doing. So now you're 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 a little more advanced there, have a little more or, or a few more people to throw to, and I think that's what happened in Detroit with golf is he has more weapons out there. He doesn't have to just laser focus on one or even two. He's got three to four at times to five in a game that he can go to he's got
0: that and the reason Jared Goff is always going to struggle in a credit conversation is because he also wound up in a situation where once again he's got a play caller whose names people readily know like Ben Johnson has become a household name he's going to be one of the hot ticket uh, coordinator to head coaching candidates for this offseason and so a lot like when we were in Los Angeles and you had the conversation about McBay being in Goff's helmet right up until the echo of the snap here you've got Ben Johnson who's also pulling the strings that one makes this a complicated evaluation as it always is with quarterback in the uh, NFL, so uh, that's going to be something we keep spinning the wheel on. Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits, just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed's Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome and with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic Research, development, and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust. And it's great with convenience too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently just like any other routine health habit. And Seed's subscription service is gonna easily help build DSO-1 into your routine, again, with no refrigeration required. So trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash Gojo and use code 25Gojo to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash Gojo, code 25Gojo.
1: back to Gojo and Golic. It is time for Cash It or Trash It, presented by DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with code GOJO, because life's more fun when you're in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Agent eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. So, guys, we highlighted the spread of the bucks lions games on Friday. We asked you if Tampa could cover 6.5 against Detroit. Gojo, you are all over over at predicting the Lions to handle their business, and that is just what they did. Now, that was despite Mike Evans' best efforts, Okay, Because the now free agent receiver went off eight receptions, 145 receiving yards, and a touchdown. He cashed a lot of people's over tickets for his props, Okay, But did he make your all weekend team? That's the question I want to know.
0: That's a great question. And dad, he probably should have considering. I think he's kind of like, and I thought about this to watching the game. He's sort of the Josh Allen of wide receivers. He's so physically imposing and gifted that you almost felt like he left more on the field because of some of the drops early on, some of the miscommunication. But then you just keep going deep to the guy. And eventually he's going to give you gifts like he did at the end of the half and the rest of that game. So absolute freak show effort from a Hall of Fame Ugh. receiver and Mike Evans.
2: I mean, think he's going to get paid? I mean, just routinely over 1,000 yards. He's up there. Been in the league a while, for sure. It'll be interesting what kind of a deal that he gets, quite honestly, you know, of how long it would be because he's been there a while, but, man, he's so productive, such a big target.
0: Yeah, he's an ab- an absolute freak and a difference maker. He's been catching go balls in Tampa from someone playing quarterback for yeah, the better part yeah. of over a decade now, so hopefully he gets to continue that, but not on my all weekend team, Dad. Let's get to some of the weekend's other top performers. Uh, we'll go first and second team uh, for this one and start with the second team. For me, I-, I was pumped to see this as someone who has a lot of respect for the man. My second teamer goes to Ken Niamatololo, the former Navy head football coach, who just announced that he was taking, or it was announced he was taking the job to coach San Jose State now and be their head guy. Uh, He replaces Brent Brennan, who left and took the job at Arizona on Thursday and goes there as Navy's all-time winningest coach. Now getting another crack at this, Dad. You and I have both covered Navy games. One of the best men and best leaders in the sport, and so I'm glad that he is going to be around more young people because they will benefit from being around
2: him. Spent last year at UCLA, correct? Uh, Helping them out, I know, and he's a guy who you would be honored to send your child to play, your child, your, your, your young man to play for uh, and to be led by. I mean, so well-respected, such a great leader of men and a great teacher. Can't say enough good things about him, so uh, congrats to him. For his next move, you knew he was going to be a coach again. He's just—he's just too good at leading people. And again, whether it's to great football seasons or not, you know, great at leading people and helping them become uh, adult, adult young men.
0: Now, it is interesting and worth noting that the offense is not expected to be the triple option, which is right. kind of a bummer. I was, it would have been yep. fun to see San Jose State. I love the triple getting inserted into places, especially ones that Notre Dame doesn't have to play anymore. But um, yeah. it will not be expected to run the triple there. Is expected to tailor it about you know, being wide open, make use of all the West Coast gifts that you've got there. So congratulations to Coach Ken on landing another job. Who do you got for the second team,
2: Dad? Second team, I have Udonis Haslam of the mm. Miami Heat. So listen to this. He averaged seven and a half points and six, a little over six rebounds a game in his career, never made an all-star team, never had a triple-double, never signed a max deal, and was never even one player of the week award. But he got his jersey retired and hung in the rafters for the Miami Heat. He spent his entire 20-year career with the Heat. He was part of three championship teams, and you want to talk about what his teammates thought of him? He was a captain... 16 of his 20 seasons in Miami. So his jersey number 40 was retired, raised to the raised to the rafters. He's one of only three players who spent a career of 20 years or more with one franchise Dirk Nowitzki one in Dallas and Kobe with the Lakers the other so while a guy it, it's undrafted this is an undrafted player to know that while stats we all look at stats of what he meant to a team for the longevity being a captain that long and just being one of the guys there kind of glue to hold a team together that his jersey was retired so kudos to him very very cool to see
0: I mean, they basically kept him around as a vibes guy, taking up a roster spot when he was so old, he was never actually going to play in those last couple of seasons. So uh, he's an all timer. I saw him on the podcast, the OGs that he does with Mike Miller the other day, just cemented the legacy where I don't remember what the source of the issue was, but he apologized to Bill Russell for something and talked about how much you respect him, but then capped it off by saying Boston fans F you, I'm never going to apologize to you for anything. So if you're (laughs) expecting that, keep it moving. So, exactly the kind of reasons why that guy ultimately has his jersey hung in the rafters there and uh while we're talking about basketball related accomplishment dad i'll go with my first team overall pick uh stanford university's tar vanderveer their head coach passed mike Krzyzewski for the all-time winningest coach in division one basketball history she won her 1203rd game on sunday and has now herself accumulated more wins than 355 of the 360 division one women's basketball programs in NCAA hoops. Just remarkable. She's 70 years old. It's her 38th year at Stanford. She won with arguably wow. her best player, not on the floor here and had a ton of old players. I know Cheney Gwumake, who was my former teammate at ESPN and one of the stars for Tara in that Stanford program. She was back in the house for that one. Rozgold Amude, Jennifer Ozzie, uh, you know, Andrew Luck was in the house there too. So Everyone coming out to celebrate Coach Vanderveer, who does not like the spotlight at all. I remember she set another wins record when Shanae and I were doing the show and came on and was very, you know, mute about it. Didn't want to celebrate herself, but has plenty of people in her corner, like most great coaches, who are very ready to celebrate her in this accomplishment.
2: I mean, what what an accomplishment, right? I mean, and obviously not done yet, but just just incredible what she has done and to be recognized for it. The longevity of it is uh, absolutely incredible. So congrats to her as she continues on and will keep stacking up wins uh, as she goes along. My first teamer is going to be a sophomore from Alabama, 20 years old, by the name of Nick Dunlap, who won the American Express on the PGA Tour this past weekend. He became the first amateur to win a tour event since Phil Mickelson in 1991, and he's the youngest amateur to win on the PGA Tour since 1910. He actually brought homework with him to this tournament. (laughs) Nobody knows if he did it or not, but he brought homework. And we always talk about the nerves of a putt, Mike. He had a six foot putt on the final hole to secure a a one stroke win in this event and how nervous he had to be. He talked about how the nerves were just trying, he was trying not to let them get the best of him. But 20 years old, the amateur, who is the, I believe, the reigning, he's the reigning U.S. amateur champion, his first uh, amateur win against, like I said, Mickelson won the Tucson Open in 1991. I mean, what a weekend for him and the nerves that had to just keep building and building all the way to a, a six-foot putt to drain at the end to get the win.
0: He and Tiger Woods, the only players to win both the U.S. Amateur and the U.S. Junior Amateur coming up. So rarefied air for him already. But be, and I think this is something that happens so often in the sports dad that maybe I feel more now as I'm starting to stack a few more years is just how much we normalize the high pressure like ability of players at such an early age we do it with guys that come into the nfl as 22 and 23 year olds who are given the keys to franchises the same in the nba with players even younger than that 18 19 year old guys that are expected to come in and lead grown men to victory there guys 20 years old trying to navigate all this right now against guys that he's grown up watching on tv and the sport that he's grown up seeing this way is absolutely wild good for him man that's awesome love to see young dudes ball out
2: He is, since the inception of the official world rankings in 1986, he's the lowest-ranked player. He was ranked 4,129th, the lowest ever to win on the tour. He had been in three other tour events and missed the cut, I believe, in all of them. So, hey... Probably going to get offered about 200 mil by Live. Now we'll see. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, <it> got incoming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Check, check your bank account. There's a little uh, bit of wheel <laughs> grease and that's going to go on there to try and get you started and see what good friends uh, we could all be there. So congratulations to everyone there. Echo Joe and Golek on Twitter. If you think we missed anybody for the all weekend team, coming up next, let's address uh the shot heard around the world in one particular basketball game this weekend that came after the final buzzer sounded. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code gojo. That's code gojo for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See DKNG.co slash B ball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, this is the kind of Big J journalism stuff you've come to expect from us here at Gojo and Golik, but we've got an update on the bowling ball situation from the Bills Mafia tailgate. If you weren't with us listening earlier, Jason Kelsey was out in the parking lot with Bills Mafia and there's been video you've seen probably seen before of people doing a shot out of a bowling ball at the bills mafia tailgates and so jason kelsey man of the people went down there and decided to do a shooter with the bills fans before his brother played them in that game and we got the question asked last night by jess matan on the live stream we did about would you do the shot out of a bowling ball that's likely had other people's fingers jammed in it is probably in regular use dad you agreed you thought it was a multi-use bowling ball here yeah we got a dm so this is at BillsFan2782 on Twitter named Aaron who DM'd me and said, as a bowling ball corresponding for, bo- correspondent for you, having taken a shot from the same bowling ball as Jason Kelsey, they do give it a quick rinse and it is specifically for the shots that it to be taken from. However, after the shot you're required to drop it in the ground as a celebration so it does have some exposure to dirt down there so Aaron thank you for giving us the inside scoop on that Jesse and I correct in that this bowling ball is just for shooting shots and they do they do to keep it clean like Bill's Mafia is out there they seem like a lawless bunch but I'd have to imagine there's still a code you live by there and this is part of that
2: I I guess I, I they do seem like a lawless bunch and by the way I love it. I would love to be out there and and partying with them and doing shots at that bowling ball. I just didn't expect that. I'm not going to lie, Jesse. I didn't expect them to say, "Okay, we're cleaning the ball after each shot. I mean, because let's be honest, everybody around there is probably hammered. And we're going to take time and stop and think about cleaning that ball before the next shot. I mean, I, I don't know how much I believe that.
1: Apparently, that's what they're doing. Apparently, the bowling ball is sitting in someone's garage, someone's house or whatever, just waiting every week to be taken to the tailgates. So it's good to know. Now we know. The more you know. You know?
0: The thing I still (laughs) want to know is whatever happened, because Peppa Pig was at this game, the mascot from the children's show anyone who's missed it there is a paramount plus ad that featured a lot of the different properties on their app one of which is peppa pig episodes and had peppa with josh allen interacting so it's kind of become this like cult thing for the bills fans i saw a bunch of plastic peppa pigs in the crowd but they brought the mascot there and in a day and age post pop-tart bowl where we're eating mascots i was a little worried one that they might get her up on the barbecue or that she was the sacrifice for the pit we still haven't Ah. heard the rumors going around that the pit where the bills are building their new stadium had been the subject of some ritual sacrifice among fans during the bills winning streak and i was a little bit worried that peppa would meet the criteria on a number of fronts to be sacrificed and then eaten based on how we're getting down with mascots lately so i hope Peppa made it out okay yeah
2: i could have seen that about peppa you're right we're going down we may be going down a slippery a slippery slope with the mascots
0: uh, it could get dark could very happen. quickly, so we need to all be on our toes here. A lot of action uh, surrounding the Bills game this weekend, but, Jesse, we also had a lot of action in uh, college basketball, and an interesting moment for a star player that's, I think, going to prompt a discussion about what court storming looks like in the future.
1: Yeah, Kaitlin Clark had a rough one uh, over the weekend. She's okay, but she did collide with a fan who knocked her to the court, left her reeling in pain after the Buckeyes upset Iowa, so... You know, the fans are storming the court. Everybody's excited. Uh, Iowa players had not yet cleared the court and left for the locker room. And Caitlin Clark gets clipped here, goes down. Uh, She was okay. She talked about it in the presser afterwards. She said she kind of, like, got the wind knocked out of her. Kind of wild to me watching the video, though, guys, because there's, like – it's not like there's, like, a huge crowd and she's, like, trying – either of them is trying to avoid each other, like – because everybody's fine, I feel like I can say it was. It's just kind of wild to look at the bird's-eye view of it. It's like, how'd you guys run into each other? There's no one else around, and yeah. you managed to well, hit each other.
0: You know, you know what's the culprit of all this is the cell phone yes. like i've seen plenty of yeah. this on campus yeah. when i was in college i yeah. saw a student at notre dame on a bike hit a student that was walking because both of them were looking down at their phones at the time and you can clearly see the ohio state student that's running down has his phone in selfie mode and is videotaping while they're running onto the court and so no one involved is paying enough attention and Dad, this is one of those situations where thankfully it wasn't anything malicious thankfully caitlin clark's okay she said i just got the wind knocked out of me i got rocked a little bit in that spot there but she said she's like i have no problem with court storming good for ohio state they deserve it after the win where you know caitlin clark poured up 45 points in a losing effort in that one but it it is a reminder dad i'm generally pro court storming as an idea like I, i like the idea of celebrating i don't like to you know people that police that and say certain teams shouldn't be celebrating based on where they're ranked or not it's college kids and you want that joy but it was always predicated on there needs to always be the protection of the players in mind. And that's not to say that, again, that this is malicious, but you're understanding that the court has now been compromised. And so the security team's job should always be, especially to make sure the opposing team gets out there without incident. And so I I do wonder if situations like this happen with more frequency, if all of a sudden you're going to see court storming treated differently because it's still a player safety issue at the end of the day, even if it wasn't intentional.
2: Well, we already see it in the SEC. Don't don't they find the football uh, programs, $100,000 for storming the field? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, they, they, they started to – and I'm with you. I'm all for storming the field. I, I, I don't want to hear, oh, you're too good to be storming the field. These are college kids, man. Enjoy it. Storm the field, storm the court. I get it. And I, I agree with Jesse here. When you think of storming the court or the field, you think of mass hysteria. I mean – there was nobody around anywhere around these two. It was just an unfortunate collision. It wasn't like she was trying to weave through a ton of people and got knocked down. It, it just kind of, kind of a weird situation. They were like magnets. I, 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 <laughs> just... I, I exactly. I I hope they can continue to see, keep doing it, but I get it. On the other side, you got to have the safety of the players, in, in, you know, top of mind. So I don't know what the answer is. I mean, on one side, it's find the school if they storm the court or storm the field like they do in the SEC. But I don't know where the happy medium is here, Mike, because I don't want to see, you know, college students not be able to do that, to pull off an upset and storm the court and enjoy that moment. But you got to keep the players safe as well.
0: Yeah. And this would be a totally different conversation. If this had been a player seeking out contact, like we've seen not contact, but we've seen in recent court stormings or field stormings, there was a player uh, when Caleb Williams, uh, I think it might've been actually a Notre Dame student when they stormed the field after beating USC went up and was like making gestures at Caleb Williams after, which is lame, like going and trying to poke the people that actually were out there playing is a good recipe to get your ass kicked. If you're not too careful, this is a situation that seems accidental because of that because everyone's okay i really want to see the selfie video that it looks like i think it's a young woman that yeah. got uh, collided with there yeah i want to see the first person account of this now like i feel like that tiktok is going to do numbers
1: yeah i would love yep. to see that i would love and, to get that first person view of what went down it it, it truly is wild though senior you're right it, it, they were like magnets they just yeah How did you run into each other? Uh, How
2: did you? Because we've seen a lot worse situations, right, where it's just such a melee out there and you don't know how. And that's my fear more than this happening is when students, and let's be honest, a lot of them are hammered by the time they're running onto the court. You know, I'm talking in football a lot as well. And when they go and they get in the face of the opponent, I mean, that, that could lead to some trouble. Uh, as well, because you have one side, the losing players who are frustrated and ticked off, you know, and the other side, some, you know, drunk students coming and maybe getting in their grill or even if they're not drunk, getting in their grill and talking a little smack how that could end poorly. This was just an unfortunate situation. Gene Smith, the AD for Ohio State, ap- apologized to Iowa and Caitlin Clark for it happening. But I, I, I don't know what the answer is, Mike, outside of just banning that. And I don't want to see that banned. Yeah,
0: I don't think we'll get to that point. You know, it's a star player and so it's gonna get talked about more. We see exactly. how this happens all the time, yeah. where when something happens to a high profile player, we're always gonna consider it a little bit more because of the attention that's obviously paid to Caitlin Clark because of her ability, but it, it does it's always a reminder too that the security team is really important in those instances of trying to make sure, Hey, we got a plan for how we are going to get the opposing team, especially off the court. Who's not going to be celebrating with their home crowd and doing anything like that. And so thankfully, like we said, the the bottom line with this is caitlin clark is going to be right. okay we don't expect this to affect any more of her season which is great for us because she is a gift when she is on the court and especially when she is upright and not dealing with any of this stuff so uh congratulations to ohio state they did get a big time win in that moment 18th ranked ohio state pulled that off and they get a court storming one now and again release the video for the love of god Release the video. Ah. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, is bringing you an offer that's going to help make these playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet five bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with all the lines, odds, and props as we look ahead to Conference Championship weekend. The Baltimore Ravens open up as three-point favorites against the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs, while the Lions, underdogs yet again by six and a half points on the road, heading to San Francisco. You can check out all that and more by downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code Gojo. New customers can bet just five bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus. Bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code GOJO, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. all right time to finish off the show way we always do this that the third three quick stories to send you into the rest of your day as always make sure you download subscribe rate review us leave us a five-star rating and check us out here if you can live monday through friday 8 to 10 a.m eastern on DraftKingsNetwork.com, the youtube channel samsung tv plus roku bunch of great spots there uh, for all that good stuff but if you miss any of it and you need to check it out you can also get us wherever you get your podcast as well as right here on youtube uh, as soon as the show is done again thank you to everybody who checked out our live stream last night uh, of the uh, afc game between the bills and the chiefs we appreciate that we're going to try and do more stuff like that soon uh, thank you to everybody who took part in that as well uh, all our friends uh, from the media who gave us a little bit of time there uh let's get to this that and the third guys and start off with this dad this was i i, I had kind of a day where a lot of the internet got to sort of be nostalgic because of some unfortunate news that we saw surrounding Sports Illustrated uh, and the layoffs that went on at that company there. The Agre- the Arena Group, which currently publishes SI, recently missed a $3.75 million payment to their license holder. It sounds like they're still going to be the ones operating it going forward, but it- it's cost a lot of people their jobs, and there's really been a slow teardown of that once great brand dad that, for me as a sports fan, there aren't yeah. a lot of sports media things I'm super nostalgic about. You know, I didn't grow up like Stu Gott's, a big fan of sports. Sports talk radio. And I didn't have as many announcers that I grew up as a diehard fan of, but I remember reading the back page article that Rick Riley used to write in Sports Illustrated for years. I remember I thought the pinnacle of sport was not just when your team won a national championship, but when you got the commemorative hardcover edition of Sports Illustrated that was done for your team that I used to see the video, the advertisements for late at night on TV with the number that you'd call in to order it. So seeing what's happened here, obviously you feel for the people that have lost their jobs, but also it just sucks seeing what Sports Illustrated's become after what it used to be for so long.
2: I I walked by... um... When I was in San Francisco doing the game and I was in the stadium up in the press box at a huge wall of big moments in the 49ers era and they were all, uh, you know, commemorated by on the Sports Illustrated covers. It was all Sports Illustrated covers over the years and I took a picture of it and got a little nostalgic. There were two things that I, I love the articles in there, obviously the whole magazine, but faces in the crowd in the beginning of the, of the magazine and life of Riley, you know, yeah. uh, Rick Riley's article on the back page. Those were the two things that, that I loved uh, in that magazine. And then obviously what was made out of the swimsuit edition every year with yeah. that, when that ended up in people's mailbox and how popular uh, that was, but yes, such a, such a tradition with that magazine and, and, You know, we know print papers and magazines have all kind of a a bit gone by the wayside some. And it's it's a shame because that, for our world of being in the sports world, what Sports Illustrated was, meant so much to just sit down and read that. Something that's just not done a lot anymore. It's such a kind of a lost art of getting that really good magazine that you like and just sitting down and reading like a good newspaper at times
0: and so many quality writers that came through there, like you mentioned, but you're right. The covers, I think for so many people were the timestamps for these big moments in the history of sport that you got to look at for so long. And so uh, unfortunate to see, but such an important part of the history of the way sports have been covered uh, for most of our lifetimes here. Uh, Jesse, let's get to a big moment that happened over this weekend though, in sports in the NHL, where a former, uh, I guess the baby got over on former babysitter in this situation.
1: Yeah, so Brendan Brisson scored his first career goal against the Penguins on Saturday night in the Golden Knights 3-2 win, and get this, it was against (laughs) his former babysitter, okay? Is that, Sidney Crosby used to babysit this kid, okay? So he's the son of Pat Brisson, who is an agent. He represented Sidney Crosby, numerous other stars throughout the league, And Crosby used to babysit him as a kid. My mind, this makes me feel, this isn't about me and it makes me feel so old. Like, can you even imagine?
0: I can't imagine what it's like for Sidney Crosby, who's a guy that because I think he's so generally facial hair repellent, he looks a lot younger than he is, but has been in the league forever, has been one of the faces of this league for a long time. But I'd have to imagine for him, this is like what we see happen to LeBron James all the time now, where guys will come up to him before the game and be like, you know, one of your first games ever was against my dad and remind him of his impending basketball mortality. This had to be one of those moments where Sidney Crosby looks around and goes, Maybe I need to be done with this soon. <laughs> Just yeah, wow. well, uh,
2: the realization moment. It's so cool to think he's still playing when guys this young are playing. That's the one positive side to look at is how how good you are to still be able to be on your skates doing what you're doing. But, yes, then the realization of, I mean, it, it's, it's I, I get those every now and then, like I'm on the field before the game, and Sam Darnold comes up to me. And he said, hey, Mr. Golick, how you doing? Just want to let you know I listened to your show all the time when I was growing up. And I'm, I'm just like, hey, I got these guys calling me Mr. Golick, you know, <laughs> yeah. and and talking about how when they were kids listening, you know, way back in the day, you know, with Mike and Mike, it's just, it's kind of a, oh, hey, that's cool, but wow, am I old, you know? So Sidney Crosby had to be going, I can't believe this guy that I was babysitting is now out here scoring goals. Just absolutely incredible.
0: What I want to know, too, is, like, how babysitting was this? Like, yeah, yeah. at that yeah. point, Sidney Crosby was already pretty knee deep in the game. And so, like, was he actually the one over there or was it just, hey, they would hang out and babysit is the easy term. Because, like, did Sidney Crosby ever have to, like, change a diaper here? The kid looked like he was a little bit older than that. But I want to know how much he had to actually do hands on in this.
1: Yeah, this seems like more of a, like, come over to the house and hang out thing.
2: Yeah, I I, I would agree. But the babysit connotation takes on kind of a different note of parents are going out for the evening. Yes. You're the only one home with the kid watching him taking care of them. I don't know if it was ever that. I, I That I honestly do not know.
1: I don't think so.
0: I just love the thought of him having to play against a kid who's like whose butt he's wiped at some point. <laughs> that would actually be the moment. Oh, see,
2: like, we don't know we did that. Now what? Come on. It's
1: possible. I, I,
0: I'm saying the kid... The kid looked like he was probably past that at that point, but you never know. And again, to me, that's an important part of the story here and part that would be very, very weird for Sidney Crosby there. Not as weird as this potentially is right now. Let's get to the third, because this could be the start of a much larger story, or I should say much smaller story based on
2: the visuals here.
1: Okay, so the visual is this. Uh, Vince Wilfork went skiing. And the video (laughs) that we have, first of all, an amazing edit that we got from him here. Um, he he captioned this video saying, never in a million years, I would think I'd be on a mountain skiing. What an unbelievable experience. And yes, a 300 pounder on them little skis going down a mountain, LOL. I loved it and we'll be spending more time in the mountains. Big thank you for introducing something new that I love into my life. BTW, that last hill was too big. Y'all finished the rest. LOL. Hashtag Aspen. So this occurred in Aspen. Vince <laughs> Wilfork doing his doing his thing, man. Going down, skiing. He said it's like a new thing. He's, I, so I'm guessing he's never done it before. And he's going to be spending more time in the mountains in the future going forward.
0: So Vince Wilfork doing incredibly athletic things at his size not anything new he's one of the great athletes of our time and we've always talked about guys in the trenches when you consider the weight that they're doing this at and Vince Wilfork was listed at 325 during his playing career there is no way to quote my dad on god's green earth that Vince Wilfork when we saw him in the latter stages of his career wearing overalls on hard knocks was 325 pounds that being said dad he doesn't look 325 in this picture either he looks pretty slim now it's ski clothes. It's from an angle, but we got to keep our eye on Vince. We might be getting ready for a weight
2: loss reveal. Well, he says a 300-pounder. He does not look 300 pounds at all. Let me tell you one of the more amazing things to me, though. This man, who's better known for being seen in overalls with no shirt on, right? Mm. That, that's the visual I have of him when he would make the rounds doing that. That was kind of what his, his look was known as. He played 13 or 14 years in the league as a nose tackle, which means you are getting hit from every angle possible. How beat up you have to be, and this man is out there skiing. I mean, man, I I wouldn't even think about, you know, putting some skis on and going down a hill. Good for him. And you're right. I can't wait till we get some kind of reveal on what he looks like. Well done, Vince. I'm not – listen, we're
0: not sure, but We got our eye on you, Vince. His Instagram doesn't have a lot of front-facing pictures, doesn't have a lot of stuff that would reveal otherwise. So I don't know if Vince is in the lab right now or if he's just enjoying (laughs) his time on the mountain. Either way, we hope you enjoyed this show as much as Vince Vince Wilfork enjoyed skiing. If you did, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review it. Leave us a five-star rating. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.